Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we are so happy to have David back to us. David, are you technically in the D.C. Outpost, or? <laughs> Moco? DMV. Okay, well, wherever DMV you're area. from, we're virtual. I guess it doesn't really matter. Anyway, we're glad you're here. So, blockbuster signings this week. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Jordan Berry signed for one year, $1 million, $100,000 guarantee. Parents, don't let your kids be punters. Do let your kids be punters. This guy is he's a millionaire. Have you guys seen Wayne's World? Part, part of it. Okay, so there, I think there's a, a scene in there where they're – I don't know if they're in front of a green screen or something else, but they're talking about all, this, like, all the states in the United States, and they say something famous about each state. And then Delaware comes up. And they just go silent. And they go, Delaware. My, my cousin lives in Delaware. All right. And then they move on. That's what I feel like Jordan Berry is. I forgot about him. I forgot about him in the offseason. Like, they announced that they signed him. I was like, oh, I guess they had to do that. So he's back to be as inconsistent as ever. But he um, – that's what he is. He's the most inconsistent punter of all time unless he's backed up into his own end zone. And then he's just the worst punter you've ever seen. But last year, David, I don't know if you realize the Steelers – um, cut him, or he didn't even like make the team. They tried someone else. That guy was even worse. They brought Barry back. He played better than he ever had before. It's almost like the Aaron Rodgers or Brady. Like we're gonna draft Garoppolo or Love to get this guy going. So maybe we have to do punters as our next draft group. Get him motivated. I mean, start booming the ball then. <laughs> yeah. So let's just confirm. Rashad Coward was signed, and remember we talked about this last week. Apparently. Rumor had it on Reddit. Some guy was playing what Call of Duty or something, yes. and his partner he heard he hurt his partner was Coward's wife. So this guy overheard the conversation while they were playing the game, and uh, turned out to be true that Rashad Coward was really talking to the Steelers at the time, yeah. and we thought that was a big rumor. And by the way, it's a lesson to you with the you kids and these Alexas and Google Plays and all that stuff. You get a too much electronics in the house, people. The outpost is always listening. Everyone's That's listening. That's what the rumors. Yeah, actually, it was a, it was a Packers fan or whatever, and he heard the guy over. I'd love to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Hey, who's your husband? Uh, I don't want to tell you. All right, I'm gonna look up your Twitch channel, which is linked to your Instagram channel. Now I found you. Let's look through these pictures here. Good thing you're not on private. There's your husband, Rashad Coward. Uh, nobody in Pittsburgh knows him. I guess we will shortly. And now the Steelers have uh, another basement bargain lineman to uh, to go with the guy who dropped the pass in the Super Bowl from Brady. And we have bolstered the running back core with Kellen Balage. Kalen. 
You should know that one. Kaylin? Right? I think it is Kaylin. Yeah, it's Kaylin. Kaylin It's my sister's name, Dad. Oh, that sounds like a girl's name. (laughs) (laughs) It is a girl name. Yep, 1.8 yards per carry. Uh, What else more do you want? I can't. (laughs) I think some people online were trying to swing this as like a – The Steelers, you know, they were historically bad in short yardage situations. I think in the Washington game last year, they were like 0 for 3 on 4th and 1s. And so they're like, well, listen, Kalen Balazs, he averages 1.8 yards of carry. But that's whether there's 10 yards to go or 1. Because it turns out he was about 10 for 14 on uh, 3rd and 1 situations. So he's actually pretty good at that. With the smallest – he did it 10 times. Sign him. Pay him a bunch of money. Apparently that's the strategy. I'm pretty sure I may have even started. That probably speaks to how bad my fantasy team was. I think I started him one week because he was getting the goal line touches with San Diego, and he was getting those touchdowns. Well, maybe I stand corrected. It's going to be like the bus in his final few years. when He would have those stat lines like four carries, three yards, two touchdowns. But but probably not. All it really did was just ensure that the Steelers at this moment have – the slowest backfield in the history of the NFL. Connor's not on the roster. He's not on any roster. Uh, Samuels, Snell, well, McFarland's fast, but he doesn't know where to go. Another movie reference, you guys seen uh, Mighty Ducks? Of course. Luis Mendoza, he's the super fast Can't skater, stop. but he doesn't know how to stop. Yeah, yeah. that's that's basically, basically McFarland. Uh, yeah, so anyways, not inspiring. It almost leads me to believe even further, they really want to run him back in the draft. Proving once again that the Steelers can evaluate wide receiver talent like no other team. We have signed Matthew Sexton. He of Michigan State. Little speedster at fourth at a four three forty in shorts and a t shirt. He's what he's a little white guy who will kid. never see play for the Steelers and he'll probably go to the Pro Bowl for the Patriots, but I was gonna say he'll probably have eight hundred yards for you guys this year because <laughs> what you do to wide receivers is insane. Yeah, well, Couldn't do it to Ryan Switzer, uh, though. No. And this guy's in the Ryan Switzer mold. Yeah. No, this guy's apparently really fast. Hey, this is a non-factor to me. we got receivers out the building. Yeah. I guess the interesting news is that we have Sean Davis's replacement visiting the Steelers this week, Carl Joseph. You like Carl Joseph, right, David? I, th- I mean, he's, I think he's just an athlete, like uh, pretty good tackler. He's physical. I just don't know how good he is on the back end. I think that's been his whole thing. He's better yeah. in the Pat Chung role rather than the free safety, uh, deep deep cover one role. Um, so it's just finding what he does well and putting him in that situation to make the play. Otherwise, he's going to probably be out of position if he plays deep. Yeah. It, I mean, the Steelers love taking second chances on first-round picks. Which Did Carl Joseph get drafted in the first round? I believe it was the first round. First or second. At least yeah, first, first or second. Um, Oakland, and then he made his way to Cleveland. Well, either way, they loved him. And I do think that those guys are oftentimes good backups. Like, can you stick on in the league and be a Darius Hayward Bay or a Sean Davis? I'm pissed that they lost Sean Davis. The Steelers have been in big trouble with their safety depth for the past forever, really. And uh, Sean Davis was such a big signing and made you so comfortable that the guy that's going in there not only has a high athletic uh, pedigree um, and a ton of playing experience, well, Carl Joseph has those things too. 
I worry about the money that he's signing for. But hey, if he hasn't signed for anything yet, then maybe he was a little delusional about what he's going to get. And he's going to come play for Pittsburgh, play for a winner. But, uh, well, it's being a little presumptuous there. But either way, it would be huge to get him because after losing Sean Davis, backup safety is a definite position in need. And you know that if they take him, They've been looking for this dimebacker role forever, so they'll try and play him there. Whether that works out or it doesn't, I don't know. But based on what David said, he's better closer to the line of scrimmage rather than farther away. So maybe he'd actually be a weapon instead of just a backup. A.B. still in play. Chances he goes to Tampa Bay or Seattle? Chances are the Steelers need to get the band back together because I'm pretty sure Le'Veon's on the market too. Bring them back to Killer Bees. One more year, run it back. One more year, let's do it. Everybody, say I'm sorry. <laughs> let's get it going. Yeah, I don't know what's up with AB. It's, I think it's that the the domestic assault rape charge trial stuff isn't happening until December. It got pushed back another year, so I feel like that's probably the big thing holding him up. I saw he also wanted uh, financial as a problem too. So I guess he's asking, well, he's asking for more money. Well, you know, he's a down-to-earth guy, so you would think that he'd be able to get those things straight, but uh, I could see where some signals would get crossed. (laughs) Oh, it's that time of the year again. All year. That's when you bet on sports. All eyes right now are on pro basketball and for some reason on the start of Major League Baseball. And here is your silver lining. This is a reason to watch baseball. Okay, you can bet on it. Why don't you do that? And if you're going to bet on it, you better bet at the best place online, which is Bet Online. They've got every sport, every game, every matchup. They got you covered for all the odds, real time updates, and it's the place to be for all your sports betting needs. It's the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. Pirates, 1-0. Probably not by the time we read this ad. You guys ever been in the locker room? A little locker room, some bonding, some talking about sports? You know, changing? Well, you don't have to change on this app. You just got to go to one place for all your sports needs, which is Locker Room. This is a free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. I know what you're thinking right now. That's the radio. Okay. Well, guess what? You got it on your phone. And you can also start or join ongoing conversations. You can watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And actually, this is kind of cool because I hate having Twitter. I legitimately only have Twitter for football, and I would like it if the algorithm doesn't throw me in, oh, some football writer likes this or this person, social, political, whatever. Like, I Listen. I'm here to poison my brain with football, and Locker Room is going to help you do that. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter if you want, and join the group. All right. Go do it, Locker Room. All right, so we have to start twisting the Rubik's Cube to put together the puzzle that is now the Steelers' secondary. Looks like Cam Sutton's going to replace Steven Nelson. There is some gappage there. Coincidentally, or not, because we plan these things so far in advance, we're going to talk about cornerbacks and prospects for not only the Steelers, obviously, but uh, how the draft's going to come down. So there's a couple of different ways that you could think about this. Uh, Before Nelson, we probably wouldn't have covered any of the elite corners because there's really no chance they were going to take one in the first round. I still don't think they're going to go in that direction, but I also think they would be wise 
if if somebody slid to them, I think it's as much of a – you don't have a true starting corner, whether that's the nickel, if, if Cam Sutton's playing outside, which he has insinuated this week, or whether it's the outside if Cam's going to play inside. So I we're going to go over some of the top cornerbacks – prospects today we're going to give you something like what we did with the running backs where we think that there's actually more of a a higher mid-round target uh, players that we think the Steelers probably would be more likely to draft and maybe should draft and uh, yeah we're going to go through it in as much detail as we can so David let me cue you up to start this uh, section we wanted to sort of pair the top two dogs together Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, who's coming off of a back surgery, so there's a legitimate chance this superstar athlete could slip in the draft. And then Patrick Sertan. If, you know, these guys slide into the Steelers, who knows if it happens. If it did, it it should be an automatic, in my opinion. If not, at least this shows you how to compare other cornerbacks to them. So what do you think about Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan as prospects? So we'll start with the obvious thing. I think both of them. Big guys. Sertan's a big guy. He's 6'2", over 200. Yeah. Farley, same thing, 6'2", over 200. Um, but when you look at them, they're very different as far as what they can do well and what you could see him doing later on in the NFL. Uh, so we'll start with Sertan. Obviously, first of all, this is the draft of son-father combos that you'll never it's see again. It's crazy. So Pat Sertan, his dad, played at Miami. I watched him and Sam Madison on the other side cover New England for a while and both studs, so he's got the lineage in him. Um, he's a big guy. He plays good technique. Obviously, he, he went to Bama. He has been taught very, very well. He knows his fundamentals. He, The big thing with him, he has to get his hands on the receiver at the line of scrimmage. If he doesn't get his hands on, he gets a little a little loose with his fundamentals, and that's where he can be beat a little bit more easily. But if he's able to jam you within the first five, he gets comfy, his hips get a little more sunken, and he's able to turn and stay with the guy. A couple times I saw like Texas A&M game, he goes to get his hands on the guy, he misses, and then the guy's behind him. He's going to get toast. So that's, that's the big negative with him for me. I don't know long-distance speed. What he is yeah. going, I'm like, I'm not going to put him on Tyree Kill or not. I obviously Tyree Kill is probably the fastest guy in the NFL, but anyone like Julio Jones or any of those fast guys, I would not put Sertan out on them and feel comfortable that he's not going to get toasted down the field. It's his yeah, it's his long distance speed. That's that's, that's what yeah, that's what concerns everything, me. but that's scary. Exactly, and yeah, in college you can get away with it because I saw Kellen Mond miss multiple deep throws that he could have been beat by five yards for a touchdown. Yeah. In the NFL, it's not going to happen but unless it's Mitch Trubisky. Sorry, Mitch. That was a bad shot at Mitch. But Sorry, Mitch. Yeah. Um, but unless it's Mitch, he's, they're going to they're gonna make that pass. So good. Technically, yeah. He is so sound. He You can tell he is prepared. He studies it. He knows what the other guy is going to do. He plays like a vet corner. But when he yeah. is not able to control the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage, he can get into trouble because he does not have the athleticism as our next guy, Caleb Farley, who is a absolute freak of nature. Freak. He looks He looks like a safety playing tight, uh, playing corner. Like he he's a big guy and I think I texted you this if Farley had Sertan's technique and fundamentals, he would be 
far and away the best corner in this draft. He get yeah. he gets a little bit loose, and I think he relies too much on his speed and athleticism, where he knows he can maybe catch up with the guy downfield if he bites on the out and up, where instead the receiver took off and went down the field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you go. They they like, um, it's a really good way to describe them. And if you, they're both pretty slam dunk picks. Yeah, Sertan doesn't have um, amazing long speed or or great long speed, but it's not like he's slow. It just truly is like, hey, there's only a couple guys in the league who you can put on Tyree Killer Julio. A couple, Jalen Ramsey is that guy. He does that to other teams. Like you only know, get Jalen Ramsey once every. 10 years and, 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 uh, Sim, Chris Sims compared Caleb Farley to Jalen Ramsey. And he's right. I mean, he's that freak, but so that's not to say that Patrick Sertan isn't killer. He might actually be a better guy for the Steelers because he's already developed and they can't develop cornerbacks. Right. But Caleb Farley, he, like you said, these guys are the dream corner prospects. They're both over six feet, 200 pounds, the, the technique and the perf- he's the perfect Alabama defensive back, the Patrick Sertan, right? Super solid. You said he needs to get his hands on people. Well, he's really good at getting his hands on people. Very comfortable, great uh, technique that way. And Caleb Farley is like, well, if he gets a little bit more technique, he's way better than Patrick Sertan and, and maybe than any other corner of the league. This guy's a freak show. When you're 6'2 and you're running, I don't know what he – Unofficial was like 4'2'9", I think. Yeah. Which is crazy. And it looks like that. Yeah. Because you're right. It's interesting watching him play. Like, he's just freestyling it out there. He's like, did he cut? He made his cut? All right, I'm just going to run faster than the ball is thrown. And uh, the last thing I'll say about Caleb Farley is here's the encouraging thing. He's raw for a reason. He played quarterback in high school. And he went to Virginia Tech as a receiver. Wide receiver. He's like, he's like, all right, I'll play corner. So he's still learning. He will get better. And, um, yeah, I, I can't see Sertan slipping, but Caleb Farley, he's torn a um, torn an ACL, and he just had back surgery. So there's rumors that he's going to draft or, or slip to the second round of the draft. <sighs> the Steelers, it depends on how the board falls because they have other needs. If this guy was here at 24 and you don't want to take Landon Dickerson, i I take him, sight unseen. This reminds me of when Miles Jack – uh, slid in the draft. Uh, he was a linebacker slash freaking running back out of UCLA. He played both ways at like a major collegiate program. I don't remember if it was a knee or whatever, but he got hurt. And so he slid into, I believe, the second round. And then he was kind of the final piece for the Jaguar. Well, one of the final pieces for the Jaguars super defense, uh, having him and Tevin Smith as the two Ryan Shazier's in the middle of the defensive backfield. I think the Steelers are going to be so obsessed with trying to get someone to help them win this year this quest that they're on, that they would pass him up rather than, oh, my God, you could have Caleb Farley and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Sutton in your secondary for the next 10 years. So I think that it is wild that we are even talking about the possibility of a player of uh, Caleb Farley's caliber being available to the Steelers at 24. But if he was there, I would take him. I just don't think they're going to do it. I just have a little concern because for the last three years, the Steelers have been sure tacklers. And when I, and maybe it, it is explained by the fact he has been an offensive player most of his life. So one of the things that was troubling to me is something I read that said, uh, not an, as an effective tackler, his traits aren't applied consistently. 
and all that does is give me flashback to like four years ago when like even Ryan Chazier would just run past guys. Oh, it was worth it though. It was Boomer, but like he'd run past them or he'd strip the ball in a two minute uh, waste time offense in the playoffs, you know? It wasn't just him. I, I just threw that out there. To, I mean, right. No, that's a great point. Uh, to me, David, I don't know. What do you think? It's like, it is like Jalen Ramsey and Deion Sanders. Like, you're so good at covering and doing everything. I don't care if you can tackle. When you're a crappy Steelers corner who can't cover or tackle, then it's a bigger deal to me. I yeah, I agree. So that's the another big difference between them as far as Farley has the speed. Farley or Sertan is the much. He's the elite tackler compared to the of these two. Um, and I think I think Nick, that's a good point. It's, I mean, four years ago this guy was playing offense, so he he still has yeah. to learn how to really wrap up, but. The athleticism, I mean, just dive at the legs. Dive at the legs, dude. Take them out. Like, there's yeah. so much there. I'm, I'll worry about the tackling after I put them yeah. on their number one wide receiver and he'll lock them up. Yeah, he, you won't see him. It'll be a Revis Island situation. I don't – and we'll move on right here. We spent a little more time on them than we thought we would, but it's impossible because so, those two players are so awesome. I'll say the last thing that leads me to say – I don't think the the Steelers will take Caleb Farley. He besides his back uh, surgery that he just had, he opted out of this season. And Kevin Colbert kind of said, "Look, we're going to trend towards taking players who played this year." And I don't know if that was like a straight up football guy, like if you opted out, you're a pansy or we can't trust you thing, or if it's more like, "Look, we're just not comfortable with their film." But Caleb Farley is an exception to that. I believe his mom died the year prior, and he. And he said he just can't get anyone. There's like a very tearful video of him opting out of the uh, of the season because like I can't let anybody else in my family get sick that way. So that wouldn't concern me. I think I love ideas like a Caleb Farley or a Martavis Bryant or Miles Jack. Like take the shot on drafting an All Pro, even if there's some other issues. And maybe that's going to lead us to more Land- going back to Landon Dickerson in our center conversation, which I've sort of turned around in. But the next guy we're going to talk about. Another first-rounder, this is your guy. Another son of an NFL all, or Pro Bowl player, J.C. Horn, cornerback from South Carolina. I just get the – sometimes you can look at a corner and just see the swagger on that field. He plays with it the entire game. The dude just yeah. – he loves to make plays. He – I mean, he has great length. Everything you look for in an outside corner that you want. He has the speed – he attacks the catch point really well, whether or not it's getting his hand on and deflecting the ball up in the air for someone to pick it off or him just trying to go make the pick himself. Uh, he is, a, he, and we saw multiple times, he's not he's not afraid to get physical. Uh, he does need to improve his tackling, though. He does miss a couple open field tackles. As Really, besides Sertan, who's the, probably the most sure one, they all kind of have to improve the tackling a little bit. But J.C. Horn definitely needs to improve that. I saw multiple times, especially his freshman year, he's great blitzing off the edge. I saw multiple plays coming off the edge, just either getting the sack, causing a fumble, or even lighting up the running back on a handoff. So he's definitely not afraid to mix it up. Um, he He's almost like magnetic to the receiver's hip a lot of the time. He, he really is good at mirroring them and kind of being in there. He's a, he's a man-to-man corner. It's pretty cut and dry for me. Right. Um, that That's what I would put him at because just put him on the island, let him cover the receiver. 
definitely needs some work in zone, uh, which with the Steelers that would concern me since we do know you guys love playing that zone. Um, right. But the, as far as we were t- saying, Farley has the raw talent. I see the raw talent with J.C. Horn too, and I think he, ha- yeah. as far as room to potential, it could be like a, him at the top maybe one or two uh, being the best corner of this class. Yeah, physically uh, maybe more gifted even than Sertan. And it's weird when you do these – like draft evaluations, you end up it ends up ends up almost sounding like we're trashing Sertan. It's like no 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 we we put him towards the top because he just might be a sh- he's a sure thing. He's so good. We're nitpicking, but these we're other nitpicking. guys like a JC Horn. Yeah, we're nitpicking. Um, but yeah, if you got Sertan on your team, you'd be absolutely thrilled. And there's and he's almost definitely going to pan out. Whereas JC Horn, it looks like he's going to be a good player, but it could be a boomer bust type thing. But yeah, six one two oh five. He's an asshole. Yeah. He's it's it's awesome. Yeah. He's like I he's love exactly it. what you want in a corner. I love it. He's yelling at people. He's knocking when he does get a big hit, which he you're right, he does get a fair amount of big hits on people. And then he's gloating over them. You want that. I want in, that in my a, corner. In a secondary member. Yes. Yes. It's huge for your team. I mean, we're gonna talk about Jalen Ramsey again, you know, for my money, the best corner in the league for a while now he's got that and it's really annoying when you're playing against him and your defense feeds off that so i think jc horn's great with that he's actually pretty versatile i saw him line up in the slot a lot now i agree with you he needs work in in the zone coverage but he he did a little bit of slot work too i think he started there his career there and eventually moved outside um so yeah i guess if i put this in an organizational way it's like the positives, physically really impressive. I know he, he tested out of the roof at his pro day as well. He's really aggressive. He has the mindset for it. He's very experienced. And, yeah, just a physical beast. And on the negative side, he's, to me, he's very handsy. Like, so much to the point where when you can watch every downfield rep with him or any rep with him in the end zone – and it is always they're locked like arm in arm. And I just don't know how much you're going to get away with that at the NFL level. I think the Steelers will love a guy like this. Once again, it's the year of all the sons of all pro players or pro bowl players. The Steelers love NFL bloodlines. They love major schools. They love underclassmen. All of these guys fit that bill, so they're going to love the guy. And they really love workout warriors. They were um, they knocked on the Steelers for, for liking Bud Dupree so much, who was so raw but worked out so incredibly. And, you know, it took him a while to get on. But maybe that's what J.C. Horn could be or like an Ike Taylor or someone like that. Doesn't have that type of speed. But, yeah, either way, he's an Adonis kind of guy. He needs to learn zone, and he needs to learn how to not be so handy. Can the Steelers teach that? They haven't done it yet, but they haven't had a, a piece of clay to work with along those lines. So, that kind of covers J.C. Horn, I think. What about another son of a Pro Bowl player, Asante Samuel from Florida State? Junior, 5'10", 185. A little smaller than the rest of the guys. What do you think about Asante Samuel? So, I've, I've seen his dad play many, many times. It was actually crazy watching his film. You can't teach instincts. He has his dad's instincts. He he knows how to yeah. he knows how to break on a ball very easily. Um, he did play inside and outside at Florida State, but based on what the size that you just said, I think he 
probably is going to be primarily in the slot as an NFL yeah. defender. Just, I mean, he can play the outside, but you don't want to put that guy on a six four wide receiver on the outside. He'll he'll fight him. He won't back down, but he's gonna. He probably will get beat. Uh, great hip movement. Good, really good anticipation. Uh, he anticipates the routes very well, just like his dad. He doesn't need to play press man. He can play off ball, and he's so quick and twitchy that he can break on the ball quick enough to make a to either bat it down or even try to pick it off. Um, for and we've talked about his size already. For that size, I love his physicalness. He doesn't shy away. He he he's right up there. He he'll try to make as any tackle he can. At least, and that's all I can really ask for from a 5'10", 180 pound corner. In that run support, right? Absolutely, yeah. He's he's not he's coming up. He'll come up and he'll he'll try to make the tackle, and usually he does a pretty good job. Uh, he will go for the feet. Um, the other thing. Well, that's big. Oh, not to interrupt you, no, sorry, good. but even if he's not making the tackle every time, because he is a small guy, that is scary. But even if you're slowing the guy down on, on a defense like the Steelers, like, well, your first job is to cover, man. But if you can at least be hyper-aggressive, like, Bush will get him. Like, TJ will get him. Like, somebody else will get him. So that is, like, a, a uh, an important quality for a corner to have. you got to be willing to at least make the tackle. So, like you said, so someone can come and clean it up. Right. Well, how would you compare him? Because it's weird. I don't know if we're – it could come off as lazy as like Sertan, all-pro dad corner, Samuel, pro bowl dad corner, or maybe all-pro. Um, uh, lazy to compare them. But I do think that they're similar where like they're these kind of technique guys. How would you compare Sertan to Samuel? Is it mainly like, look, Sertan is way bigger and just even more technically solid playing for Alabama or – what uh, what differentiates them? So definitely, obviously, the size. But the big thing, like I said, Sertan has to get that hand on the receiver to keep him close and know where he is in that route. And that get, that's what gets him comfortable. I think Samuel's more comfortable being seven, eight yards and trusting his athleticism ah, to break on right. that ball. He doesn't have the length because he's so small to play press man. So he's actually better off-ball man Um Rather than Sertan, if he's off-ball man, he's worried that the guy's going to run by him because he wasn't able to get that hand on the receiver. Right. Although sometimes, I'll be honest, if, so if we're going to go to the positive side, let's. I like kind of free-forming these and then, and then at the end kind of uh, making a synopsis and like here's the positive of this guy, here's the negative. Um, with Samuel on the positive side, once again, technically very good. That doesn't surprise you when his dad was so successful – they probably grew up doing defensive back drills. If daddy's doing defensive back drills, like I'm going to hop in and do some of those too, right? Just like the quarter, the, all the quarterback sons we see, right? So technically it's good. Uh, athletically, very good. Once again, bloodlines help you with that. And um, then the aggression that he has for his small size is really attractive. So that's a guy in the slot the Steelers would love, you know? On the negative side... Him playing off co- off coverage is one of my negatives for him because sometimes he just sits back there at 10 yards and you could get eaten alive. And then if you're playing against Odell on the Browns or even like Marquise Brown, who's kind of trash, but uh, either way, um, 
even if you give up a slant to that guy, he might break your, you might not be able to get him. Like in those days of Dick LeBeau, tackle the catch, five yard passes, you can't do that anymore. So I, you need a little something extra for me. You need to be able to stick to that receiver, which he's pretty good at doing uh, an aggression or be really good at tackling like a Mike Hilton. So that is, uh, I wouldn't say it worries me because he's such a clearly great NFL prospect, but I think that that's what, um, makes him not like some slam dunk early first round pick, in my opinion. And if they picked him at 24, I'd be like, well, that's a first round talent kind of guy, but he's not in the same league as the three prior uh, super freaks that we mentioned. Anything else on Asante Samuel? That, like what you said, that's why I say I think he's primarily in the slot um, because he cannot play up in your face on the outside because he's worried that he's going to get overpowered and beat. So if you throw him in the slot, you can kind of mitigate that, and it's not as much right. of a negative as it would be on the outside. That's a great point. So, guys, I'm going to break character a little bit and move over to basketball. We have a championship game tomorrow night, Baylor versus Gonzaga. Both yeah. those guys on my pool are still available, but I, before that I probably scored 14 points after everything got blown up after the first round. Yeah, you and the rest of the world, right? But the good news is there's a chance for redemption. There's a chance for re revenge. And that chance is brought to you by Bet Online. Listen, college basketball is winding down in spectacular fashion. What a Final Four game we saw with Gonzaga taking the cake at the end there. Why don't you make some money on that championship game? Why don't you make some money on this Brooklyn Nets team? Oh, we have a couple injuries. Now, now it's just an all-star team instead of a Hall of Fame team. Make some money off of them, man. Do it at Bet Online. They've got all the odds. They've got real-time updates, and it's the place to be for all your sports betting needs. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in with all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. Ching. I can see it now. Heinz Field, full stadiums, thanks to Commissioner Goodell. Commissioner Goodell defeated COVID, and now we got full stadiums. It's a sunny, bright day, just like the day when I went to the game where the Steelmen buried the Bengals and Le'Veon stiff-armed Dre Kirkpatrick into the next dimension. And let me tell you, the sun was shining that day, and I needed some better sunglasses. Luckily, Canaan sunglasses have got you covered your outdoor experiences could be better look i could have seen that stiff arm in hd hd instead of squinting through the light of day the light of glory that was coming up there in canon canon if they were around man i would have been all right they use japanese optics their lenses are clearer lighter stronger than other lenses and nearly impossible to scratch that's when you know Chase Claypool is scoring his record-breaking 24th touchdown of the season, and you're fist-bumping your homie, and the beer glass scratches your – no, no scratches. Don't even worry about it. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canaan sunglasses elevate your experiences outside with a degree, of, a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Use the exclusive code CANUNCAST15. That's Canaan, K-A-E-N-O-N. Cast C A S T one five at Canaan.com to receive your fifteen percent off on your first pair. Canaan, clearly better. Why don't we jump back into our cornerback review? We have three more left. Let's start with Aaron Robinson. And this is my favorite player. This is my guy. So David, when we did the running backs, we listed 
Trey Sermon as the target. Like Steelers should probably pick this guy based on when we think they should draft the running back. We we love Najee, but we think that there are bigger needs in the early rounds. Trey Sermon is an upgrade on everything that they already have. He fit he like he fits their mold perfectly, and you could get him maybe in the third round, and maybe it's too late, maybe second round. So we thought that was the best value, but that wasn't my favorite back. Like it was just I think this is the best value. I think. Well, Farley is my favorite, but this this Aaron Robinson out of UCF, he's a freak show. This is the slot corner they need to replace Mike Hilton. This is, um, I think he's a redshirt senior from UCF, 5'11", 190. So he's not a huge guy, but he's kind of like, all right, that's an average cornerback height. That's a good height. But he is a jackrabbit. He is explosive, and the reason why is, oh, he was a four-star recruit that went to Alabama and transferred to UCF. So you got to keep your eye on these guys. Like Antonio Brown going to Central Michigan wasn't because he was bad in high school. If you watch his quarterback highlights, he was running around people. There's other reasons why he's there. So I don't know why Robinson transferred, but all I know is this. Robinson's versatility is insane. He is like a small version of Caleb Farley, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that from the standpoint of, Wow, these guys are athletic. Their their technique is a little raw, but they're so much faster than people that they can break on the ball and still make the play, and they still have upside to grow. Yes, I know I'm worried about the Steelers <laughs> grooming these guys and teaching them, but uh, there's already a lot that – like. There's a ton that he did at UCF, whether it was blitzing off the edge or covering deep or covering in zone or, or matching up guys man-to-man. And he is a freak show when it comes to making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's another jerk. It's awesome. He is very emo- – he emotes a lot while he's playing. And he is really incredible at defending the read option. And, uh, like, if you can watch a game – when they played Cincinnati, who was a top 10 team this year. Do you remember their quarterback's name? Number nine. He's a, he's a prospect for next year. He's like a dual threat guy. I'm, I'm just totally blanking right now. But so long story short, like there's, there's a lot to think about when it comes to crashing in the backfield. And this guy will take on offensive tackles. He'll blindside them, engage in a block with them, or he'll, you know, if it's the quarterback running on an option, he'll get skinny and zip past that tight end or that fullback, and it'll be very decisive whether he's taking the quarterback or the running back. I mean, uh, for a team that plays against Lamar Jackson at least twice a year, that's massive. He just has a lot of similarities to Mike Hilton in terms of his aggression around the line of scrimmage and his instincts, but he might, but he's a little bit taller, and he might have a little bit more speed even than Hilton had, so his coverage is a little bit more interesting from that angle. I'm not sure what round Aaron Robinson's going to go in. I, he looks to me like a top-two-round guy. I haven't heard as much about him as as all the sons of former All-Pros, but I'm sure he's on the NFL's radar. So this guy, Robinson, to me, I absolutely love him. And uh, I do believe he said that he had been in constant contact with the Steelers. So that's a name to circle for sure. I just The value's a little weird because I'm like, well, they got to take the center and the running back. Is this guy going to be available? I don't know. Yeah, so I thought um, I, love, I love the feistiness for his size. And that's probably what you guys need right around the line of scrimmage is a slot corner. Um, yeah. The main area I thought you could improve is just overall anticipating uh, certain routes as far as yeah. breaking on the ball and just making a play on it. And that, that, that'll come with film study and just getting a little more comfortable with the game. 
But as far like you said, he's an asshole, and just like Jay Z, yeah. we love that in our corners, and he uh, he doesn't he doesn't mind mixing it up. So you definitely like to see that. He's a playmaker, which is what I really like to see in corners. Like Sertan, I mean, he's a playmaker too because he catches the ball, but he's a technician. I like these guys who are like, you're right. He he needs to work on anticipating routes, and part of that's also probably his technique. Like so, hey, when a guy does a zig out. Like, oh, he jukes to the to the right, to the inside of the field, and I go for that juke. And then he, he goes out to the left. Well, guess what? I'm so fast that I can just change direction and follow him. But if I had great technique, then I wouldn't have bit so hard on that original one or, or my ability to change direction wouldn't just be based off of pure ability. It would be based off of a technique. So, yeah, he could definitely improve those things, and I could see him getting burned a little bit early in the NFL, but also making up for that because he makes the plays rather than when we drafted Artie Burns. It was like, well, he's fast, but he doesn't make plays and he's raw. So you're just going to see some guys getting burned. So I love Aaron Robinson. If he was a uh, second round pick for the Steelers, you could go back to, to feeling like, wow, the secondary is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, okay. Another guy, I didn't get to watch enough of this guy, but Greg Newsom, you were talking to me about him. I watched it a little bit. And so far, what you've told me about this guy, he sounds like he could be a prototypical stealer and that they would love this dude. Yeah, I think he can play. He's very scheme versatile. So that's good as far as if you're trying to figure out what exactly you want to run that year defensively. But as a Northwestern defensive back, I know he played a ton of cover three. So that would pretty yep. seamless, seamlessly transition to a Steelers corner. Um, he's not going to wow you like the Farley with his athleticism, but he's a very smooth, sound athlete overall, so you're not, you're not worried about him looking out of place at all. Um, he does, I thought he does, did a lot of things very well, maybe not anything like great or spectacular, but he was very well-rounded and did kind of everything very well. Uh, he has a good little edge to him. He's not afraid to come up. He's got good length, but he's lean. Mm-hmm. He's a small guy. So the main area I got concerned with him is deep ball. If it's a tall guy, I would see him getting overpowered a little bit, trying to make that catch and probably not be able to stand up to him. But if he can fill out a little bit, and not get so overpowered down there, that would be a huge part for him. And then the other thing, when I saw Samuel, I saw someone who could play off and anticipate the route and be there when the ball gets there. I think Newsom plays a little bit too far off sometimes, and he's vulnerable to those slants and those quick routes where he's just there to make the tackle, not so much making a play on the ball where Samuel, right. Samuel can make a play on the ball and make the tackle at the same time. So if Newsom can just get a little bit more comfortable with that, um, and that's I think it's, again, easily teachable, there's a lot of good stuff to work with him. And uh, I think he would be a good second-round pick also. 6-1, is what we have him listed at. So it seems like that's the kind of guy who could put on 10 pounds. And that like he has the frame to put it on. If you're 6 if you're – you know, 5'10", 190, it's like, well, you're maxed out. Like, you're not going to be – you're just going to be a brick at that point. So if he uh, filled out a little bit, that seems like a very feasible goal, especially when you get on an NFL workout plan. You get past, what, he's probably 21 years old. He's a junior. Steelers like that, the fact that he's a junior. Um, what about his run support? 
you think that that goes in the same kind of category of like, oh, he's a little slight. Kind of same thing with Samuel. For the size, I was impressed. He, he doesn't shy away. The one thing I didn't like with him, uh, if, the, if the run is coming towards him, I saw the receiver overpower him too much in, the run, in run blocking. And I would like to see a little more fight to get off it. Let's be honest. Receivers aren't that good at blockers unless they're Juju or – some are willing to block. Yeah. Most of the time you should be able to get off a receiver's block. I wanted to see a little more fight with him. That's where I thought his lean frame kind of um, put him in the negative in that category. But mm-hmm. he's not afraid to make the tackle. He's just got he's to get off that block. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's more six-foot corners available in the draft this year than we've seen in a while. It seems like that's a new trend. Obvi- I mean, obviously we've seen it happen. Richard Sherman uh, kind of wet the whistle for a lot of people in that fashion. You know, you see Jalen Ramsey and all these guys. But when I look back over our list today, I just want to list them out again real quick. So we got Caleb Farley, super stud injured from Virginia Tech at 6'2", 200 pounds. Patrick Sertan from Alabama. We have J.C. Horn from South Carolina. We have Asante Samuel from Florida State. If you're keeping track, guys, these are all big-time college programs. Steelers like those kind of guys. Then we have Aaron Robinson from UCF, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. And now there's a couple of guys that we haven't gone over. I don't know if you can give any little blurb on these guys or maybe if it's something we save for like a bonus episode or something. But Georgia has two corners, and Eric Stokes, who's met with the Steelers a lot, I think another like – I'm going to put quotes around this 4-2, uh, you know, I'm guessing really a 4-3 type guy uh, at the combine. I know that he – or at the pro day. I know that Tyson Campbell is a Georgia corner and Eric Stokes is a Georgia corner who I've seen them mocked all over the place. Somebody put Eric Stokes to the Steelers in the first round. I don't know if that's quite what would happen, but uh, it feels like a lot of the guys we're talking about here are first and second round guys. And maybe the Steelers are going to be more likely to go third round, but it just depends on how the draft board falls. And that's why I think it was important for us to cover these guys because it's like, look, no pun intended, there's an opportunity for the Steelers to snag a, a stud here. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of, lot of corners to work with. It's just what you're trying to do with your scheme. And can you see that player doing that at a high level? Because there's absolutely no point in getting a corner that may be the highest ranked at that point. But if he doesn't do what you do in your system well, then you're already starting. Right. You're already starting lower than you have to. Why don't you find someone that maybe is a little bit of a lower prospect? But hey, he plays cover three very, very well. Let's do this because right. we can kind of seamlessly plug him in and feel a little more confident at putting him out there starting. Right, and maybe that's what we need to do is find some of those mid-round great uh, guys as the days and the weeks go on here. But we got a lot of positions to go over, and there is good reason to think that the Steelers could look at one of these premium guys. Uh, that is why Aaron Robinson's so attractive to me. I don't think he's necessarily a slot corner. He could probably play on the outside too, but it just seems like, wow, you lose Mike Hilton, you put that guy in there. We're talking about what you just outlined, like – he fits in the Steelers' mold. The same way the Steelers are always going to draft a six-foot running back, the same way they're, all, they're always going to at least have one Luis Mendoza wide receiver, whether it's 
Martavis Bryant or Sammy Coates or Mike Wallace, they always want to have that guy who just runs straight fast because that because with Ben, it traditionally has always opened up the field. That's like a very scheme thing. Like I always said with DK Metcalf, if he goes to the Steelers, the Packers, or the Seahawks, he's going to be great. If he goes for anyone else, he could legitimately be a bust, right? So I agree with what you're saying in terms of the scheme fit. I think the Steelers got a lot of good options here. If Caleb Farley slipped to them, I'm like – punt on this year dude and take the dominant defense for the next six years with this but i don't think that they would actually do it but man i'd go crazy if they did hey so just switching gears to to take us out of this show there uh the owners just met and there are some new rules coming down the turnpike and i'll just run a couple by you to get your opinion about these things because i do love the rule changes some of the twists and turns oh yeah so one of the things they're going to do is uh, th- this harkens. This is kind of sort of self-evident to me. You guys remember Tom Brady passed the ball twice in a game against the Rams. So they just oh, made yeah. that a loss of down. No opinion about that. That seems sort of just no. So that's like if the ball gets batted at you and you catch it and you throw it again. It used to be a penalty, but now it's just a loss of down. Exactly. But what's interesting to me is for the overtime rule, they're going to do spot and choose. Nick, you get to choose where the ball is. And David, you pick you whether you want to play offense or defense. What? I think I, I think, the, I think uh, the Ravens are like the the people pushing that the hardest. I think that was their idea. I think that is Spot Yes. I think it's bizarre. Precisely. But, yeah. but, but isn't that great because this proves how what you think this this will reveal a lot about what you think of yourself and of your opposition. Where would you put the ball? If you're the Steelers. You put it on their one-yard line. You guys can start with it on your own one. And they get to choose that they want to take the ball in from the one. Remember, you just put the ball where it is. They get to choose whether they play defense or offense. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh-huh. That's interesting, actually. That's a little tough. so yeah. dumb. The Ravens are the dumbest. No, it's not dumb. Lived. No, but th- this it's the absolute fair way to do this. It's not. So, I've always hated sudden death because that's I think it's just rinky a rinky dink. That's what? Uh, just get, let's I've get always said, do the college God. thing. I think the college overtime is so much better than, especially the sudden death one. But the college one, I would just do that hey, in the NFL. This is not an option. Stop whining. It's not your option. I'm asking you. You're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your option is to place the ball. Where would you put it? If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm not agreeing with the Ravens in any circumstance whatsoever, sir. Yeah, I almost still don't understand the concept. So, like, you put it at the 40, they get to decide which way they're going if they're on offense. So, like, can't you kind of be like, you got to start on your own 40? I can't decide right. that. No. You put the ball at the 50, and they say, I get to play offense or defense. You put the ball at the 20, they would say, I'm playing offense. It's at the 20. All I have to do is kick a field goal. No, that's a dumb rule. The, the rules favor the offense so tremendously. If you put it anywhere other than the 50, they're just going to take the ball, and all they have to do is get one first down. Well, you can elect to protest the rules of immutability in the universe, but that's a new rule. Let me ask you the other one because we're going to get off this rule. one. Instead of an onside kick, the rule is that you allow a team to try to convert from 4th and 15th. I think we talked about this last year. That, didn't they experiment with it early in the uh, – maybe in the preseason? 
we've talked about this at length a little bit on the podcast, and David and I have talked about it. So I'll let David go first on this one. I'm actually good with the fourth and fifteen thing, just because. Really? Well, just because they, ever since they uh, changed the kickoff rules, there's besides Young Hoku in Atlanta, no one else has really gotten the off <laughs> offside uh, uh, the onside kicks. So something's got to be fixed because. I want I want to feel if I if my team is down that there is a possibility that we can get the ball back and still make this game interesting. It got to the point last year where even if they scored and they needed that onside kick, I was, it got to the point where the game's over. They're not getting this onside kick. So at least this way, maybe there's more of a chance that the game has a little more excitement at the end. And your team feels like they're more in it and. I agree. I just think fourth and fifteen is too easy. So we like, said that we said probably fourth and twenty or fourth and twenty-five would be better. I'm saying either yeah, fourth and twenty or twenty-five, yeah. or fourth and fifteen from the fifteen-yard line. So it has to be because yeah. it it has to yeah fourth and goal because if it's fourth and fifteen, you're in the middle of the field. You have nothing to lose. The defense has to worry about the bomb. They have to worry about the catch and run. They have to worry about all these things. Like, we're basically just giving you another, like, that percentage of a team being able to get that, and especially when you're talking about, like, well, now what about the Bills and the Chiefs who are probably going to hit that at, I think they would be 50% plus. So the goal is to get back the onside kick, which is like a, hey, it's a small chance that you can, you can recover it and you get another shot, but it's a small chance. Now, that chance has become too small. I get that. But it can't become like 50% and then just favor the offenses even more. So I don't. I think 4th and 15 in the middle of the field is too easy to do. I say 4th and 15 from the opponent's 15-yard line so that the defensive backs don't have to worry about the bomb over them. That's a hard play to score on. Or make it 4th and 20 or 25, but the thing is – I think the fourth and 15 thing is going to happen because apparently at the owner's meetings, most people are voting for it. And I just can't believe that they're voting for their own death. I, I, I hate the rule. If they just make a tweak to it, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'll be honest. I completely forgot that we talked about that. And now that you say the end zone thing, that's what it should be because give the defense a little bit of help here and let them have the out of bounds to be a second, another line of defense. Yeah. Or let's just do like a Hail Mary. Do Aaron Rodgers and just throw it up and see who jumps higher. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. 
At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.